chapters seven and eight of book one of on generation and corruption by aristotle translated by harold joachim this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by geoffrey edwards chapter seven next in order we must discuss action and passion the traditional theories on the subject are conflicting for one most thinkers are unanimous in maintaining a that like is always unaffected by like because as they argue neither of two likes is more apt than the other either to act or to suffer action since all the properties which belong to the one belong identically and in the same degree to the other and b that unlikes i e difference are by nature such as to act and suffer action reciprocally for even when the smaller fire is destroyed by the greater it suffers this effect they say owing to its contrariety since the great is contrary to the small but two democritus dissented from all the other thinkers and maintained a theory peculiar to himself he asserts that agent and patient are identical i e like it is not possible he says that others i e difference should suffer action from one another on the contrary even if two things being others do act in some way on one another this happens to them not qua others but qua possessing an identical property such then are the traditional theories and it looks as if the statements of their advocates were in manifest conflict but the reason of this conflict is that each group is in fact stating a part whereas they ought to have taken a comprehensive view of the subject as a whole for one if a and b are like absolutely and in all respects without difference from one another it is reasonable to infer that neither is in any way affected by the other why indeed should either of them tend to act any more than the other moreover if like can be affected by like a thing can also be affected by itself and yet if that were so if like tended in fact to act qua like there would be nothing indestructible or immovable for everything would move itself and two the same consequence follows if a and b are absolutely other i e in no respect identical whiteness could not be affected in any way by line nor line by whiteness except perhaps coincidentally viz if the line happened to be white or black for unless two things either are or are composed of contraries neither drives the other out of its natural condition but three since only those things which either involve a contrariety or are contraries and not any things selected at random are such as to suffer action and to act agent and patient must be like 
i e identical in kind and yet unlike i e contrary in species for it is a law of nature that body is affected by body flavour by flavour colour by colour and so in general what belongs to any kind by a member of the same kind the reason being that contraries are in every case within a single identical kind and it is contraries which reciprocally act and suffer action hence agent and patient must be in one sense identical but in another sense other than i e unlike one another and since a patient and agent are generically identical i e like but specifically unlike while b it is contraries that exhibit this character it is clear that contraries and their intermediates are such as to suffer action and to act reciprocally for indeed it is these that constitute the entire sphere of passing away and coming to be we can now understand why fire heats and the cold thing cools and in general why the active thing assimilates to itself the patient for agent and patient are contrary to one another and coming to be is a process into the contrary hence the patient must change into the agent since it is only thus that coming to be will be a process into the contrary and again it is intelligible that the advocates of both views although their theories are not the same are yet in contact with the nature of the facts for sometimes we speak of the substratum as suffering action e g of the man as being healed being warmed and chilled and similarly in all the other cases but at other times we say what is cold is being warmed what is sick is being healed and in both these ways of speaking we express the truth since in one sense it is the matter while in another sense it is the contrary which suffers action we make the same distinction in speaking of the agent for sometimes we say that the man but at other times that what is hot produces heat now the one group of thinkers supposed that agent and patient must possess something identical because they fastened their attention on the substratum while the other group maintained the opposite because their attention was concentrated on the contraries we must conceive the same account to hold of action and passion as that which is true of being moved and imparting motion for the mover like the agent has two meanings both a that which contains the originative source of the motion is thought to impart motion for the originative source is first amongst the causes and also b that which is last i e immediately next to the moved thing and to the coming to be a similar distinction holds also of the agent for we speak not only a of the doctor but also b of the wine as healing now in motion there is nothing to prevent the first mover being unmoved indeed as regards some first movers this is actually necessary although the last mover always imparts motion by being itself moved 
and in action there is nothing to prevent the first agent being unaffected while the last agent only acts by suffering action itself for a if agent and patient have not the same matter agent acts without being affected thus the art of healing produces health without itself being acted upon in any way by that which is being healed but b the food in acting is itself in some way acted upon for in acting it is simultaneously heated or cooled or otherwise affected now the art of healing corresponds to an originative source while the food corresponds to the last i e contiguous mover those active powers then whose forms are not embodied in matter are unaffected but those whose forms are in matter are such as to be affected in acting for we maintain that one and the same matter is equally so to say the basis of either of the two opposed things being as it were a kind and that that which can be hot must be made hot provided the heating agent is there i e comes near hence as we have said some of the active powers are unaffected while others are such as to be affected and what holds of motion is true also of the active powers for as in motion the first mover is unmoved so among the active powers the first agent is unaffected the active power is a cause in the sense of that from which the process originates but the end for the sake of which it takes place is not active that is why health is not active except metaphorically for when the agent is there the patient becomes something but when states are there the patient no longer becomes but already is and forms i e ends are a kind of state as to the matter it qua matter is passive now fire contains the hot embodied in matter but a hot separate from matter if such a thing existed could not suffer any action perhaps indeed it is impossible that the hot should exist in separation from matter but if there are any entities thus separable what we are saying would be true of them we have thus explained what action and passion are what things exhibit them why they do so and in what manner chapter eight we must go on to discuss how it is possible for action and passion to take place some philosophers think that the last agent the agent in the strictest sense enters in through certain pores and so the patient suffers action it is in this way they assert that we see and hear and exercise all our other senses moreover according to them things are seen through air and water and other transparent bodies because such bodies possess pores invisible indeed owing to their minuteness but close-set and arranged in rows and the more transparent the body the more frequent and serial they suppose its pores to be 
such was the theory which some philosophers including empedocles advanced in regard to the structure of certain bodies they do not restrict it to the bodies which act and suffer action but combination too they say takes place only between bodies whose pores are in reciprocal symmetry the most systematic and consistent theory however and one that applied to all bodies was advanced by leucippus and democritus and in maintaining it they took as their starting point what naturally comes first for some of the older philosophers thought that what is must of necessity be one and immovable the void they argue is not but unless there is a void with a separate being of its own what is cannot be moved nor again can it be many since there is nothing to keep things apart and in this respect they insist the view that the universe is not continuous but discretes in contact is no better than the view that there are many and not one and a void for suppose that the universe is discrete in contact then if it is divisible through and through there is no one and therefore no many either but the whole is void while to maintain that it is divisible at some points but not at others looks like an arbitrary fiction for up to what limit is it divisible and for what reason is part of the whole indivisible i e a plenum and part divided further they maintain it is equally necessary to deny the existence of motion reasoning in this way therefore they were led to transcend sense perception and to disregard it on the ground that one ought to follow the argument and so they assert that the universe is one and immovable some of them add that it is infinite since the limit if it had one would be a limit against the void there were then certain thinkers who for the reasons we have stated enunciated views of this kind as their theory of the truth moreover although these opinions appear to follow logically in a dialectical discussion yet to believe them seems next door to madness when one considers the facts for indeed no lunatic seems to be so far out of his senses as to suppose that fire and ice are one it is only between what is right and what seems right from habit that some people are mad enough to see no difference leucippus however thought he had a theory which harmonized with sense perception and would not abolish either coming to be and passing away or motion and the multiplicity of things he made these concessions to the facts of perception on the other hand he conceded to the monists that there could be no motion without a void the result is a theory which he states as follows quote, the void is a not being and no part of what is is a not being for what is in the strict sense of the term is an absolute plenum this plenum however is not one on the contrary it is a many infinite in number and invisible owing to the minuteness of their bulk 
the many move in the void for there is a void and by coming together they produce coming to be while by separating they produce passing away moreover they act and suffer action wherever they chance to be in contact for there they are not one and they generate by being put together and becoming intertwined from the genuinely one on the other hand there never could have come to be a multiplicity nor from the genuinely many a one that is impossible but just as empedocles and some of the other philosophers say that things suffer action through their pores so all alteration and all passion take place in the way that has been explained breaking up i e passing away is effected by means of the void and so too is growth solids creeping in to fill the void places empedocles too is practically bound to adopt the same theory as leucippus for he must say that there are certain solids which however are indivisible unless there are continuous pores all through the body but this last alternative is impossible for then there will be nothing solid in the body nothing beside the pores but all of it will be void it is necessary therefore for his contiguous discretes to be indivisible while the intervals between them which he calls pores must be void but this is precisely leucippus's theory of action and passion such approximately are the current explanations of the manner in which some things act while others suffer action and as regards the atomists it is not only clear what their explanation is it is also obvious that it follows with tolerable consistency from the assumptions they employ but there is less obvious consistency in the explanation offered by the other thinkers it is not clear for instance how on the theory of empedocles there is to be passing away as well as alteration for the primary bodies of the atomists the primary constituents of which bodies are composed and the ultimate elements into which they are dissolved are indivisible differing from one another only in figure in the philosophy of empedocles on the other hand it is evident that all the other bodies down to the elements have their coming to be and their passing away but it is not clear how the elements themselves severally in their aggregated masses come to be and pass away nor is it possible for empedocles to explain how they do so since he does not assert that fire too and similarly every one of his other elements possesses elementary constituents of itself such an assertion would commit him to doctrines like those which plato has set forth in the timaeus for although both plato and leucippus postulate elementary constituents that are indivisible and distinctively characterized by figures there is this great difference between the two theories the indivisibles of leucippus one are solids 
while those of plato are planes and too are characterized by an infinite variety of figures while the characterizing figures employed by plato are limited in number thus the comings to be and the dissociations result from the indivisibles a according to lysippus through the void and through contact for it is at the point of contact that each of the composite bodies is divisible but b according to plato in virtue of contact alone since he denies there is a void now we have discussed indivisible planes in the preceding treatise but with regard to the assumption of indivisible solids although we must not now enter upon a detailed study of its consequences the following criticisms fall within the compass of a short digression one the atomists are committed to the view that every indivisible is incapable alike of receiving a sensible property for nothing can suffer action except through the void and of producing one no indivisible can be e g either hard or cold yet it is surely a paradox that an exception is made of the hot the hot being assigned as peculiar to the spherical figure for that being so its contrary also the cold is bound to belong to another of the figures if however these properties heat and cold do belong to the indivisibles it is a further paradox that they should not possess heaviness and lightness and hardness and softness and yet democritus says the more any indivisible exceeds the heavier it is to which we must clearly add and the hotter it is but if that is their character it is impossible they should not be affected by one another the slightly hot indivisible e g will inevitably suffer action from one which far exceeds it in heat again if any indivisible is hard there must also be one which is soft but the soft derives its very name from the fact that it suffers a certain action for soft is that which yields to pressure two but further not only is it paradoxical one that no property except figure should belong to the indivisibles it is also paradoxical too that if other properties do belong to them one only of these additional properties should attach to each e g that this indivisible should be cold and that indivisible hot for on that supposition their substance would not even be uniform and it is equally impossible three that more than one of these additional properties should belong to the single indivisible for being indivisible it will possess these properties in the same point so that if it suffers action by being chilled it will also qua chilled act or suffer action in some other way and the same line of argument applies to all the other properties too for the difficulty we have just raised confronts as a necessary consequence all who advocate indivisibles whether solids or planes since their indivisibles cannot become either rarer or denser inasmuch as there is no void in them 
3. It is a further paradox that there should be small indivisibles, but not large ones. 4. It is natural enough, from the ordinary point of view, that the larger bodies should be more liable to fracture than the small ones, since they, viz., the large bodies, are easily broken up because they collide with many other bodies. But why should indivisibility as such be the property of small rather than of large bodies? For, again, is the substance of all those solids uniform, or do they fall into sets which differ from one another, as if, e.g., some of them, in their aggregated bulk, were fiery, others earthy? For, 1. If all of them are uniform in substance, what is it that separated one from another? Or, why, when they come into contact, do they not coalesce into one, as drops of water run together when drop touches drop? For the two cases are precisely parallel. On the other hand, too, if they fall into differing sets, how are these characterized? It is clear, too, that these, rather than the figures, ought to be postulated as original reals, i.e. causes from which the phenomena result. Moreover, if they differed in substance, they would both act and suffer action on coming into reciprocal contact. 5. Again, what is it which sets them moving? For if their mover is other than themselves, they are such as to suffer action. If, on the other hand, each of them sets itself in motion, either a. it will be divisible, imparting motion qua this, being moved qua that, or b. contrary properties will attach to it in the same respect, i.e. matter will be identical in potentiality as well as numerically identical. As to the thinkers who explain modification of property through the movement facilitated by the pores, if this is supposed to occur notwithstanding the fact that the pores are filled, their postulate of pores is superfluous. For if the whole body suffers action under these conditions, it would suffer action in the same way even if it had no pores, but were just its own continuous self. Moreover, how can their account of vision through a medium be correct? It is impossible for the visual ray to penetrate the transparent bodies at their contacts, and impossible for it to pass through their pores if every pore be full. For how will that differ from having no pores at all? The body will be uniformly full throughout. But further, even if these passages, though they must contain bodies, are void, the same consequence will follow once more and if they are too minute to admit any body it is absurd to suppose there is a minute void and yet to deny the existence of a big one no matter how small the big may be or to imagine the void means anything else than a body's place whence it clearly follows that to every body there will correspond a void of equal cubic capacity as a general criticism we must urge that to postulate pores is superfluous for 
if the agent produces no effect by touching the patient neither will it produce any by passing through its pores on the other hand if it acts by contact then even without pores some things will suffer action and others will act provided they are by nature adapted for reciprocal action and passion our arguments have shown that it is either false or futile to advocate pores in the sense in which some thinkers conceive them but since bodies are divisible through and through the postulate of pores is ridiculous for qua divisible a body can fall into separate parts end of chapter eight recording in memory of mitchell edwards